Hi everyone, welcome back to the Reading Materials Podcast, where two friends get together every couple of weeks to talk about a book or a series of books. My name is Lucia. And my name is Cory. And as you might have noticed, this is a special bonus episode coming out only a week after our previous episode. Um, but before we dive in, is there any life updates that you want to share, Cory? No, I can't think of any. Nothing really has changed. I did buy some Lego, just Mm. like a tub of used Lego, because I just want to... Well, I saw somebody online who said that instead of paying for therapy, they bought Lego kits. And I was like, well, I'm going to try that for a bit, because I'm between therapists right now. So it has been keeping me highly occupied. And I blame you also, by the way. (laughs) Because you gave me a Lego set. (laughs) And it has reawakened the joy that I had forgotten about. Man, I haven't played with Lego in so long. Uh, It's, uh, I'm honestly, I am just, well, at the moment, I'm actually just sorting it all because going from having played a lot with it when I was a kid, where you just dumped it all on the floor and you poured through your collection. Now I'm too OCD for that, so I need to know where all the pieces are. So I've got tubs out, and I'm like, right, well, that one's two by four, and that one's got a funny shape, so that has to go into a separate box, even though the footprint is actually two by four. Like, oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Oh, very good. Yeah. What about you? What's new in Ireland? In Ireland, nothing much new here. Weather has been horrible as I was just telling you I think we've had three storms back to back in the last week like you know storms that are big enough that they have a name so yeah it's been grim but yes they named the storms after names and there was one that was called Storm Corrie a few weeks or months ago was it and the number of people who text us <laughs> about it, I was like, yeah, it was funny the first time, but maybe yes. not, guys. <laughs> well, after Storm Corey came Storm Dudley, which is one that I found quite amusing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, on that note, let's talk about this storm of a book. Oh, yeah. What a segue. <laughs> Oh, I love it. <laughs> so, what did we read for this special episode? Oh my goodness. This week we read... Uh, it's a House of Earth and Blood? Mm-hmm. Yes. In my head I've been calling it Crescent City 1. Yes, I think most people do. In... Yes, excellent. So, uh, it's by Sarah J. Mass. And I picked it on Lucia's recommendation, I would say, because the second book came out last week as we record, and uh, we were we're quite keen to sort of be a bit more up to date in our reading in some in some ways. So I thought it'd be really cool if we did book two, and then obviously to do that I had to read book one. You had to. Well, you wanted to reread book one before you read book two, and so we decided let's also talk about book one, and here we are. Indeed. So we've done books by Sarah J. Maas before, because we covered A Court of Thorns and Roses back in season one, but this was before we did any introduction to the author 
section. So I might just give a brief introduction to anyone who doesn't know who this person is. Good plan. So Sarah J. Mass is an American author. She was born in 1986, so she's 35 years old currently. Her birthday is in a few days, actually. And she lived in New York and started writing basically from when she was a teenager. And she writes primarily fantasy fiction books. Sprawling kind of epic series, I would call it at this point. Her first series was called Throne of Glass. It started in 2012. It has eight books. The last book is almost a thousand pages long. And then there is, of course, A Court of Thrones and Roses, which we already covered. That currently has five books. The sixth one will probably come out next year, if not the year after. And then there's one more planned. Mm -hmm. And then this is Crescent City, which is her newest series. It's her first official adult fantasy series. And I think maybe we'll talk a little bit about that as well during the episode. And as you already said... Today's book is book one. Book two came out last week, and we will be discussing it in the next episode. Very good. Very succinct. I do feel like even though I selected, it was my turn to choose. I feel like this is definitely your ballpark, because you're (laughs) the one who knows Sarah J. Mass, and I didn't know much of that about her. (laughs) True. I always find it really interesting when people are around our age and are really accomplished authors because I can remember probably just after we left uni I was trying to write a novel because I had always had it in my mind that I would write a novel and I mean part one I was in the middle of some mental health stuff so I was pretty angsty at the time anyway but also I would write stuff and then I'd read it back and I'd be like oh my god I just sound like a massively emo like kid because I didn't have any life experience really I was like I have nothing to write about I've had there's like nothing I can't come up with anything interesting and then when I tried to do fantasy books I'd get so involved in like the ins and outs of how it worked that I couldn't write it so I'm just in awe of people like Sarah J Mass. Mm. yeah me too like It's kind of the dream. If anyone ever aspires to be an author, then her career and many careers of most of the authors that we've discussed on the podcast, I think, are pretty accomplished. But Mm. yeah, like to write your first real book at the age of 16 and have it be published a few years afterwards while you're still at uni is is amazing. Mm. Like, I think she's really great. And I think her books are really... Well, evidently, she's doing something right because she is huge at the moment. She's one of the biggest fantasy authors, I would say, currently publishing. Yeah, agreed. So there's a lot to talk about. So I'm going to read the blurb and then we're going to dive in. Yeah. So this is House of Earth and Blood, Crescent City number one by Sarah J. Mass. Bound by blood, tempted by desire, unleashed by destiny. Bryce Quinlan had the perfect life, 
working hard all day and partying all night, until a demon murdered her closest friends, leaving her bereft, wounded and alone. When the accused is behind bars, but the crimes start up again, Bryce finds herself at the heart of the investigation. She'll do whatever it takes to avenge their deaths. Hunt Athalar is a notorious fallen angel. Now enslaved to the archangels he once attempted to overthrow. His brutal skills and incredible strength have been set to one purpose, to assassinate his boss's enemies, no questions asked. But with the demon wreaking havoc in the city, he's offered an irresistible deal, Help Bryce find the murderer and his freedom will be within reach. As Bryce and Hunt dig deep into Crescent City's underbelly, they discover a dark power that threatens everything and everyone they hold dear, and they find, in each other, a blazing passion, one that could set them both free if they'd only let it. With unforgettable characters, sizzling romance and page-turning suspense, this richly inventive new fantasy series by number one New York Times best-selling author Sarah J. Maas delves into the heartache of loss, the price of freedom, and the power of love. Yep. Da-da-da-da-da. Da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> yeah, so before we dive in, um, we haven't really done this before, but it has been suggested by one of our listeners that we be a bit more clear about spoiler alerts so for anyone who has gotten this far but doesn't want to go any further because they haven't read the book that's perfectly fine we are going to spoil pretty much everything about book one in this episode we will not be spoiling book two though even though i think we've both started reading it but we will discuss that completely in the next episode so this yes, is just and I'm slightly one. further ahead than you are, so yeah. I'm very cautious about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, how far are you now, actually? Because I've been reading, so... <laughs> oh, okay. I'm about 30% through. Yeah, I think I'm about the same, actually. Oh, so. okay. Excellent. Cool. But more on that okay. next time. <laughs> yes. So that's a really good point. And just as an aside, maybe we should um, try to include that right at the top of the episode from now on. Like, maybe not in this one, but yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. okay, so gloves are off. All spoilers. Let's dive yeah. in. Yeah. So what did you think? Let's start with that. Well, I don't know what it is about Sarah J. Mass's writing. Um, we've, we just did Empire of the Vampire last week, which was longer than this, but this is still a pretty long book. And... I don't know how she manages to make it such a page turner. Like it was just such a good read and to the point where I I don't sleep very well. It takes me a long time to fall asleep. So I was finding myself like keeping my Kindle by my bed, which I don't normally do. And if I couldn't sleep, lis- reading a few pages instead of listening to an audiobook, which is what I would normally do. And then like even I think you got a text in the middle of the night one night because I was like, oh my God, this just happened. I'm not okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I really, really, really loved it. Um, I did think the beginning was too much information in a very short space of time. Um, it's, I mean, it's not the only thing that I didn't like, but it's the most glaringly obvious thing, because even though that thing that I text you about right at the beginning of the book was, um, it was right in the beginning, even after that, there were still moments where I was a little bit like, okay, can we just, like, get to the story now? Yeah. 
What did you think? I am of the same opinion. So mm. I first read this book a few months after it originally came out in 2020. It was the height of the epidemic. We were all at home and I read it in under three days, I think. Mm. Which for a book this size and for my reading speed pretty much meant I was reading all day. And I really liked it the first time. I didn't think it was her best book or the one that I've enjoyed the most from the ones that she's written. All mm. of which I have now read. So I gave it four stars at the time. And then I reread it much more slowly for this podcast episode because I realized I didn't remember almost anything from the world building. Like I remembered the broad, like the main plot points. I remembered most of the characters, but like I had no idea who was who, what was the power structure. And there are so many things that she puts into this novel and especially into the first 200 pages, as you've already mm. said. So I'm really glad I took it more slowly this time and I was taking notes as I was reading. But still, once the action gets started, it's like you have to keep reading. It's just mm. almost unbelievable, as you've said, how she can write this story that makes you want to keep going after every chapter. Um, mm -hmm. Despite all the things that you might not like about it or like the details, like mm -hmm. she crafts a really good story. I think. Mm. Mm -hmm. I agree. And there's enough there's enough detail between individual characters that makes you interested in most of, I mean, not every story arc, but there's some books that I read sometimes where it goes to like a different character's point of view or something and I'm just like, oh, I can't be bothered. Like, just mm -hmm. take me back to my favourite character. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't feel like that this time. Yeah. So would you still give it four stars? Yes. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it up to five simply because it's clunky in the beginning. Like the world building is really good. I really like what she's done. I don't like how she did it though. Mm. It feels very kind of stilted, thrown in randomly, kind of, it doesn't feel natural the way that she explains everything about how the world works. So for that reason, I would take off the one star and keep it at four. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I would agree I would agree with you. I think I'll go for four stars as well. I think one of the things that I found the most frustrating was that we get this massive event that happens right at the beginning. So you learn a little bit about Bryce and all of her best buddies and her seemingly destined lover, mate for life, whatever we want to call it. And then they all get killed. Mm -hmm. And then it's like... Bryce is obviously um, traumatised by it, but it then f goes forward two years in time. And even, even though that's obviously really central to the story, it takes a really, really long time to start actually even addressing it. You only find out what happened in reality at the end. Mm -hmm. But I felt like all of this other stuff started getting introduced and I was a little bit like, I don't really care about this. Like, give me a little bit more about what happened in the apartment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so what to say there? 
I can completely understand what you're saying. And I think I was probably maybe the same when I first read it. So despite the fact that it says very clearly in the blurb, in the first sentence, that this is what happens in the book, for me, I don't know if I hadn't read the blurb, so I didn't know this was coming up. But when it happened, I was in a complete state of shock. Like I did not see it coming that Danica and the whole pack is mm -hmm. just brutally murdered within the first mm -hmm. 50 pages of the book. I thought that this would be maybe the thing that happens at the end, that we get a whole story about I don't know what, and then at the end, it'll be some horrible mm. battle, and that's when her friends will be killed. But it happens mm. right from the get-go. I definitely didn't know that was going to happen, because I definitely hadn't read the blurb. Mm -hmm. And that was the so, thing that you messaged me about. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't mind that it takes so long to get to the conclusion of it. I think everything that happens that leads up to the revelation of who it was that actually killed the pack was done really well. It was a bit drawn out, but mm. I think the, I don't know, climax, crescendo, whatever you want to call it, of the revelation that it was actually Danica herself who had murdered the whole pack and then killed herself was so powerful that I didn't mind that it took us so long to get there. Mm. Because... I think it would have just been almost wasted if we found out immediately that this is what had happened. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. And I'm not saying that I wanted to find out immediately what had happened. I just think that there was that happened. And then that is when the information overload started. Yeah. So you went from being like really stimulated and really excited to find out what had happened mm -hmm. to then a gap before the mystery then started to really be solved. Yeah. And I think that's what I didn't really like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I completely understand that. Yeah, yeah. So you messaged me when you read that scene. So how did you... What were your thoughts when that was happening? What did you think? There was a really large part of me that was like, this really can't be happening. <laughs> um, and, and there's going to be some kind of redemption. And then... I don't know. I I quite enjoyed. I enjoyed it. I think it's. I think it's a little different. Mm -hmm. It's not often that really, really, really important characters are killed off the first thing in a book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And remain dead. And remain dead. Yeah, they don't come back. Well, there's a little bit at the end where they yeah. sort of come back a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think there was enough information at the beginning that I didn't start it like I did with Empire of the Vampire, going, bloody hell, there's so much information here. I'm never going to get on top of it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I liked... I liked how all of the characters were introduced, except for uh, her brother, Danan, I think is what they call him. I can't remember what his first name is. Rune. Rune, yeah. I wanted to say Reese. No. <laughs> <laughs> different novel. <laughs> Rune, yeah. A different female. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you mean you didn't like how he was introduced or you generally didn't like his character? I liked his character after a while, but again, there was like... You sort of got fed drips and drabs of stuff that it then turned out 
that they had been really close and that Bryce had had actually a childhood that was a lot more involved with her brother and her father than it appeared and then they'd had a big argument I don't know was it five years before or something mm-hmm. um and so had stopped talking and I think I think I would have liked him or I would have liked it more if maybe his identity had been kept a secret so we hadn't found out who her brother was quite as quickly as we did and and then it would be like her having I don't know flashbacks to her childhood and her really close brother so that you you know could worry about like wonder what had happened because I found that this whole her keeping a secret that he wasn't her cousin Mm -hmm. from the rest of the world but the reader knowing about it it didn't really work for me Mm mm-hmm Okay, that's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't really considered it in, like, it didn't bother me at all. I was Mm. completely accepting of their relationship from the get-go. And in many ways, Rune, in the, in this particular book, in Crescent City 1, is one of my favorite characters. I much prefer him to Hunt who is the main love interest, and I kept telling everyone that if they weren't brother and sister, I would have wanted it to be Bryce and Rune together. But obviously that's not going to happen, because it shouldn't, because that's icky. Yeah. But I found him much more interesting and more layered than Hunt. Mm. Um, But I see what you're saying, and I think you might be right. I think maybe it would have worked better as a big reveal for the readers as well at the end. Although mm. there were so many big revelations by the end of this book that I I worry that maybe it would have just gotten a bit lost. Yeah, that's true. Because especially for Bryce's character, it all comes to a head in those last few chapters and you just find out one thing after another after another about her. So mm. I don't know. I think... I think it was nice to at least know something that was a secret to everybody else before everybody else found out, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, so, why didn't you like Hunt? I... So, Bryce's whole thing about men slash males because everyone is referred to as female or male in this Yeah, that was a bit weird. Book. I think it's basically because she doesn't she wants us to realize that they're not human and humans are men and women, whereas animals are male and female. I think that's what she was going for. Mm-hmm. So Bryce's whole shtick is that the world is full of what she calls alpha holes, which is men being alpha males. And being, mm. you know, overly protective and commanding, etc. And that is exactly how Hunt behaves for the vast majority of this book. Mm. And I had big problems with it this time around. Because I just thought it was too much and I didn't think there was a good enough reason for it. So the first time that he meets Bryce, he's automatically 
pegging her as just this spoiled party girl who is probably quite stupid and sleeps around and does a bunch of drugs. And he completely writes her off as that is all she is. And he doesn't even give her a chance to show who she really is. Mm. So he doesn't give her the benefit of the doubt, basically. He just, in his mind, has painted this picture of this is who she is and this is how I'm going to treat her. And I found that really off-putting about his character. Like, I know he grows out of it as we find out more about him and as he gets to find out more about Bryce. But I just couldn't... It left a bitter taste in my mouth, his first um, scenes with her and how he talks to her and how he behaves around her. What about you? (laughs) Did you like Hunt? So, yes, I really liked Hunt. And I think... There was one moment in it. I can't I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was after there'd been some trauma and they ended up sharing a bed. Mm-hmm. Um not in a sexy way but just whatever. And maybe we're maybe we're getting a bit too personal here. I don't know. But I had a friend like that who was a guy. There was never any sexual relationship between the two of us. But for me, he provided me with a physical comfort in terms of just, like, giving you somebody to hold on to when I really needed it. Mm-hmm. And I think even before then I was sort of getting vibes of this is a really broken person because that that friend of mine, I would say, was also a very broken person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, stuff had happened. I don't know what it was, but... Um, you know, that attitude has come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. It hasn't just it hasn't just organically happened. So I think I was probably a lot more sympathetic and a lot more willing to give him a bit of slack as a result of that. And I also really liked how Bryce was just like, I'm not gonna take any shit from you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and said to his face, Oh, you're an alpha hole and this, that and the other and I don't know, I feel like his character was quite well written in that you could see the Thor slowly happening, Mm -hmm. although it did become a little bit cliché towards the end. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But, but yeah, I think for that reason I didn't... I I wanted to sort of learn a bit more about him before I was a little bit like, I hate you. And then by the time... (laughs) By the time we'd been given a bit more stuff to hold on to, I was like, yeah, okay, I quite like him. Mm Mm-hmm. So I can see where you're coming from. And I do, like, I don't hate him. I I think he is a very flawed person who has obviously undergone horrible traumas in this book and before this book throughout his whole life. So I do appreciate his depth. I just don't appreciate how he behaved in certain scenes but I completely agree that as you start chipping away at his character and they start building a friendship I really liked the friendship that they formed and I kind of wish that I kind of wanted to just stay there I I feel like their friendship is much stronger than Mm. I don't see why it has to become a romantic relationship is what I'm saying it did remind me a little bit of 
what's the first love interest in um, the other one that we read? Tamlin. Tamlin. It did remind me a little bit of that mm-hmm. because it was sort of the first almost hero who'd rocked up, although given, you know, he wasn't your typical hero, but she sort of fell in love with the first, like, big, I don't know, saviour, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I was sort of thinking, oh, well, is this going to be the same as, or I am sort of thinking, is this going to be the same as Tamlin, where um, they fall in love and then suddenly somebody else comes along mm-hmm. and that turns out to be a much stronger relationship. I don't know if that will happen, but I think one of the things that, I, that I'm that i not wild about with Sarah J Mass's writing of romantic stories, although bearing in mind... Uh, Court of Thorns and Roses is the and that series is the only other book of hers, Bill series of hers that I've read. I feel like it becomes very, you get this amazing build up where you're like you just want them to sort of get together and, you know, kiss each other or enact on their feelings or whatever, and then it happens and it's a little bit like okay, cool, where do we go from here? Yeah, yeah, I think she's really good at the build up at at building the tension. Yeah. And the flirting and everything, but yeah, so so maybe that's a good thing that she did in this book because she just keeps building it up, and they never. I mean, yes, they ha- okay. There is a sexy scene, of course, because there has to be a sexy yeah, yeah, scene. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it comes right before the ultimate. Well, not the ultimate, but like let's a call betrayal. it unsurprising betrayal for anyone who has read anything by Sarah J. Mass. They probably could have seen it coming. Mm. So, at the end of the book, there is still the attraction, but there's obviously been this betrayal that I think they're probably going to have to work through in the next one. In the next book. Mm. So, I suppose she's keeping the tension. Let's let's put it Mm. that way. And I am curious to see if Hunt is endgame, as they say. Do you want him to be endgame at this point? You do? Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think I do, but only because I want to continue to be captivated by him. I don't want her to have to change her main couple like she does in A Court of Thorns and Roses in order to continue to keep our interest mm. in in the relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I kind of don't want him to be endgame because mm. of all the things that I've already said. I think they work really well together as friends. And I would like to also see in a book a male-female friendship, and that's all that it is. It doesn't have to be sexual in any way. Like, men and women can be friends in real life without it going anywhere. And Mm -hmm. I don't think you see that enough in books. Mm. So I would kind of like that to happen, and maybe for her to end up with somebody else. Mm. For example, with... (laughs) (laughs) How did you like Tharion, the he, merman? Oh my god, yeah, yes. I knew you were going to say that. I don't know why, but he kind of annoyed me. Like, uh, I liked the way that their relationship was super flirtatious from the off. Yeah. But, but I was also a little bit like, how am I supposed to take you at all seriously? <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, to be fair, he doesn't show up that much. No. But the scenes that he's in, he just oozes, like, he just comes right off the page for me. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm with him from the minute he comes out of that river and starts flexing his muscles and starts calling Bryce legs. And it's like, yep, that's, that's great. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a really well-written, natural-sounding character to me. Like, yeah. Whereas with Hunt, I always feel like she's trying really hard to make him this super macho, sexy man. Yeah. And it works to an extent, but I feel like with Tharian, it's just like immediate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Sorry, yeah, that was I my don't little... feel quite the same. <laughs> I don't know. I I think for me, was it is it Flynn and Declan? Mm-hmm. Are they the same person? No, they or are. are they diff- no, they are two good. friends. They're um, <laughs> Rune's best They're friends. Rune's friends. Yeah, I. I kind of liked them, and I liked the relationship that they had with her. Yeah. And I was sort of thinking maybe I wouldn't mind seeing them, one of them. But also, it is a bit weird. I've had I had a relationship with Ash- one of Ashton's friends when I was a teenager, and it was a bit weird because of the whole brother dynamic as well. But mm-hmm. but but yeah, I think I preferred them to Tharian. Yeah, I really liked them as well. I mean. To be perfectly honest, I think I liked all of the characters. I don't think there was uh, really one that I didn't want to know more about or that I couldn't care less about. Like, they were all Mm. quite individual in the context of this book. Not sure that they're that individual if you've read anything else by Sarah J. Maas. Like, there are really strong Mm. vibes of Cassian and Asriel being mm. Flynn and, and yeah, Dec. Yeah, that's and true. I have thought about that. Ruin is kind of Rissand. If you really want to look at it that way, you can. Yeah. But I don't mind it. Like, I like that dynamic. I like that he has these friends and they party together. But, you know, when mm. when they have to be serious, they, they have each other's backs 100%. Mm. So. Do you know what I really liked? And I really didn't like it at the beginning. Hmm. It what it what the whole thing is quite similar in terms of like overall very basic structure to her previous books, but I really loved how modern technology got incorporated into this fantasy world. Yeah, I thought that that was really refreshing. It doesn't happen very often, and I, yeah, I don't know. I just I just like the fact that. Like Tharian, who's who's one of the are they actually called Mer people? They live underwater anyway. Yes. Yep. And because of that, they can't have mobile phones, so they use otters as messengers instead. Stuff like that, where it was like really a really nice blend of traditional magic fantasy lands and modern technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I think it even has a name. Because these things always do. Apparently it's called urban fantasy. So okay. yeah, this kind of blend of modern world with these mm. fantastical creatures or magical powers. Mm. Yeah, like the fact that, you know, obviously they have electricity. They live in apartment buildings in a metropolis. Mm-hmm. They have mobile phones. The internet is a thing. Mm. They are making yeah. new medicines, kind of blending magic with 
science. So yeah, mm. helicopters I, are a I thing. Guess we got, we got a little bit of it in the house in the Cerulean Sea because they had some types of technology, but it was it felt very much more basic and it didn't feel like there's parts of this where hacking is incredibly important and mm. digital broadcast of live video feeds is really important. And I mean, even at the beginning when they're in a club and they're taking selfies or they're texting each other, like it just felt like it made it a lot more relatable. Mm. Mm-hmm. I I found it quite jarring at the beginning. It took me a little while to get my head around what it looked like mm-hmm. in my head. But once I'd figured it out or, or come up with something in my head that I was happy with, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. I am really on board with this. Mm. Yeah, I think what you just said, that it makes it more relatable or easier to imagine. Like, I can easily picture it as, okay, this is, I don't know, some version of New York or some version of London. Like, you have Mm. this big city, it has the historical parts, it has the modern, you know, buildings, the skyscrapers, there's a river that runs through it, like, it's any Mm. modern city that you can think of. So you can maybe more easily imagine how it all works. Mm. Um, No mention of public transport, which is something that always interests me about cities. How do people get around? (laughs) No, you're, well, they, they mentioned cars, but you're right, they didn't... I know, yeah. I mean, it's it's completely irrelevant. <laughs> it's just the thing that I thought yeah. of right now. Um, yeah, it was interesting. It's sort of... I think one of the reasons I found it a little bit jarring is because if you think about, like, Disneyland, right, mm-hmm. where all of the characters are in costumes, mm-hmm. and then you sometimes get photos of the people in their costumes that are hush-hush because Disney doesn't want this stuff to get out, but it'll be like... Minnie Mouse on her phone or I don't know Esmeralda having a fag break or whatever <laughs> like I I and it's and it is a really jarring thing when you see stuff like that because you're like no no that's not that's that's not part of the fairy tale but but I really loved it for for exactly that reason like the other thing that I've I was sort of thinking is I was like well hang on how do there's a there's mention of human children and there's mention of wolf cubs or pups, mm-hmm. but there's not loads of like how do angels reproduce? Do they reproduce? Like, like what are angels? Because we think of them as, well, what do we think of them as? I think I think of them as, like, people who've gone to heaven and have become an angel, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas that is very clearly not the case here. Or it might be, but we don't know. I don't know. I I think I wouldn't have found that as engaging if it hadn't also been the fact that they were checking their social media. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, she introduces a lot of different types of creatures in this book. And Mm. the ins and outs of all of them are still not fully explained. So the way that I imagine angels even if i were to like imagine an angel from not fantastical stories but Mm. in our own culture you in my mind you kind of like they would have wings in my mind they have wings Mm. so it's unsurprising that in this book hunt who is an angel has wings Mm. but it's interesting that you have angels with wings of different colors like you have Mm. his wings are gray but you have the angels that have like the pristine white 
wings, and then there's angels mm-hmm. that who have black wings. Now, I think if we were to get technical, I think this is the only thing that sets them apart from a human. Like if you take a human and you put wings on him or her, you would get an mm-hmm. angel. Plus, of course, they have some own like magical powers. But like in terms of reproduction, yeah. If we're gonna get down to the nitty gritty, I think the reproduction yeah. would probably be more or less the same. Yeah, I right. If if it is, hmm. I really hope that we don't get another cop out where the pelvis has to be changed if if a human woman is giving birth to an angel baby who has wings and therefore there needs to be some magical structure change i really hope we don't have that i'm gonna put a pin in this thought yeah and we can revisit it once more books have been written because we don't know yet if that is something that happens but i think angel and human relationships aside i really liked that there was this real like (laughs) There was prejudice against humans. Humans mm. were considered to be a lower character. So we'll sort of remove that from this exact part of my discussion at the moment. But there wasn't like a taboo against mixing with members of a different race or I don't know what I don't mm. know what we're gonna call the different types of creatures. Mm-hmm. So it it was really common for like a shapeshifter to have a relationship with a with a fairy or well, maybe not a fairy, but <laughs> or a fae. But do you know what I mean? Yes. And it was also interesting how, depending on what kind of shapeshifter you were or what kind of creature you were, you had different, like, physical attributes. Like, the fact that um, Bryce's friend Juniper is Mm. a fawn, all that really means is that her legs are different. Like, she still has, like, her upper body is human. Mm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she has little. Does she have little horns? I don't know that it got described in my head. A fawn does have horns, but that might just be coming from Disney. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But definitely, her legs are moves. Mm. So mm-hmm. she moves differently. She looks different to everybody else. But yeah, this intermingling of different species was mm. interesting and was well done. Mm. But you still but have. But then you've also got like you've got like the wolves who are shapeshifters. Mm. So whereas Juniper is always a fawn. Yeah, yeah. That was interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you do still have kind of prejudices between them. You know what you just said that Faye, ah, Faye probably wouldn't mix with other creatures because they yeah are quite keen to keep the bloodline pure or whatever you want to call mm. it although rune and his mm-hmm. friends <laughs> don't abide by these rules at all <laughs> mm. nope nope um but then they're also outcasts aren't they yeah they are kind of yeah mm. um so one thing that i found really jarring you were talking about the technology i found all the swearing really jarring (laughs) well how did you find it i didn't even notice it you didn't (laughs) okay no okay interesting because to me it was i found it too much i felt like again because this was her first adult fantasy novel it felt like she needed to somehow make it different to everything else that she's written so 
what has she not done in other books? She hasn't used swear words to this extent. Mm. And they were just everywhere. <laughs> I didn't e- I didn't even notice it, but it might also be partly because I read a lot of crime novels and partly because I watch a lot of like really gory TV because I watch a lot of crime documentaries, but also the last episode was Empire of the Vampire and the swearing in that was other level. This is true. I've not read any I've not read any books since then. Yeah. I don't okay. know, but maybe maybe it's because you're used to used to Sarah J. Mass's style of writing being young adult. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Like it just felt too in my face, you know? Like I don't mind swearing. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I'm not against it. But if it's done too much, it almost feels like it's it's not natural anymore. It's like I'm doing yeah, it it's for shock purposefully factor for shock value. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, mm. fair enough. I didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So you mentioned there that the humans are considered lesser than all the magical creatures. Was there anything else that you wanted to add to that? So... Do you mean what else did I like in terms of the humans or just in general? Um, In general, I felt like there was something that you wanted to add about the whole humans and creatures thing. Um, I thought it was really interesting that... <sighs> so one of Bryce's best friends is... Um, this fire sprite who lives in the library, although she probably wouldn't call her one of her best friends, but you find out at the beginning, at the end, sorry, how close they were. Um, and sprites are also considered to be a lesser being. Mm-hmm. Um, Bryce is actually half human. But I thought it was quite interesting that although that prejudice is mentioned a lot... I didn't really get a sense of it other than it being talked about when it comes to Bryce, Mm -hmm. apart from maybe her boss, um, who, (laughs) Jessiba, who was really quite awful to her um, in terms of like treating her like the, you know, scum on the bottom of her shoe as the admin, like calling her and being like, where are you? Why aren't you at this meeting? Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And Bryce Bryce has a constant set of job applications in her drawer, but never quite manages to get them out or whatever. Um, but then you're always hearing about how she's a second-class citizen or almost considered to be. And yet when she's out and about mingling with the general population of Crescent City, I'm not talking about, like, Micah or the governor, or the Mm -hmm. autumn king, who's her father, or any of those, I really didn't get that sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I guess it's it's just interesting to me that maybe, maybe that was mentioned a lot to explain the fact that there were wars between the humans and the higher beings Mm. that are not going on in Crescent City, but I wasn't... I wasn't really sure what the point in it was. I don't know everything about this, but from the notes that I've taken, (laughs) my understanding was that the planet or the world that they live in now used to be just humans thousands and thousands of years ago. 
and then these magically powered beings somehow crossed over from a different dimension into this world and took over. Mm. And ever since then, there has been this struggle of the humans against these magically enhanced beings. And that was the whole point of the rebellion that Hunt fought in. I suppose that's a nod to just general colonialism, isn't it? I think so, yeah. I mean, that is Mm. kind of what it sounds like. Yeah, Um, okay. And then, because there's so many different kind of power levels, like, it's not enough for you to be a creature of, like, a shapeshifter or an angel or a mer-person. Even within those groups, there's different hierarchies because each group has, like, a king or a queen or some sort of a leader. But even all of them have these Asteri rulers Mm. these supreme beings whom we never really meet but they just kind of run everything and are super scary i think they're supposed to be the seven stars aren't they something like that yeah like it's not fully explained why they're so powerful but they're very scary (laughs) yeah i think i had i hadn't quite got that it was wholly human before the Asteri turned up. I, I, I must have noticed that at some point because you say that many years ago and I go, oh, 15,000, because that's a number that I randomly yes. remember. <laughs> yeah, 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 no, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that maybe brings us to something else that I found a little bit confusing that maybe you can shed a bit of light on having read it twice mm-hmm. but you've got the like you've got the house of earth and blood mm-hmm. which i think is i i'm not 100 percent sure exactly who belongs to what category but you've got um is it the shapeshifters mm-hmm. well there's 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 lists of it in the um in the in the beginning of the book but it seems like there's some choice between where they go because wasn't jessica a member of one house and then she changed and moved to somewhere else. Yes. Like, h- how do they choose what's the point in it? <laughs> I don't know. And I don't think this is ever explicitly explained. It does, mm. to me, sound like depending on what kind of creature you are, you immediately fall within those four houses. So like the house of earth and blood that you just mentioned, that's shifters, humans and witches so that almost feels like it's maybe the lowest, the most like humans kind of um, mm. magical creatures, let's call them. And the fact that Jezeba shifted to a different house, I think is what makes her unique. I don't know how common it is for people to do that. And it's mm. never, it, it wasn't fully explained why she did it. We just know that this is what happened. She kind of turned her back on the witches and is now a member of a different house. But but why that happened and how it happened, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think Jessica, there's definitely more to her than meets the eye. And I think we'll learn a lot more about her in the second one. Mm. So I, I don't know. What else did you like? Come on, you've got four pages of notes. Give me more. Oh, but, like, my notes are literally, like, naming all the characters, 
Who are these yes. characters? Are they still alive or dead at the end of this book? Um, what are the houses, these power structures, the power systems, the seven heads of the city, you know, all these things yeah. color coordinated <laughs> so that I can kind of understand what's going on. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, but I liked the whole friendship thing, like I already said. I, li- I, like, I really liked Bryson Hunt and I really liked Bryce and Danica. I mean, their friendship has become this epic thing now, even on the internet. Like, it's it's become its own entity almost. All right. Almost, like, separate from the book. Branica. Um, Branica, yes. <laughs> I've never seen that, that before, but... But if, if it's not... That's, if that's not what it's called, then I think you should coin that <laughs> term and call them Branica. <laughs> so, I think maybe the thing that kind of confused me the most was the whole idea of the drop. Mm. So this is the concept that for these people, let's call them with magical abilities, be they shifters or um, witches or angels, fae, at some point they have to make this drop to fully access the full extent of their magical ability and to become more or less immortal. Did you understand it? Could you picture what this means? No. So I thought that it was literally, when you do the drop, you have to have an anchor so that you can come back and your body is allowed to be dead for six minutes. And after, or was it seven? Anyway, whatever. Mm-hmm. After that set amount of time, your body dies. And I, in my head, had it that it was like a physical drop because it was talking about these drop centers where you go and you have to take your anchor with you. So I was, I don't know if I thought it was maybe you had to go through like a portal or something, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I, I completely didn't understand it. And then I am also still baffled as to how like Bryce just decides randomly in the middle of the battle at mm-hmm. the end that she is going to do the drop yeah. So if you if you can do that, why do you have to go to the center and like? Well, I suppose it's because they're trying to catch the energy that comes off you when you do that, because that is the first light, which is what powers the city. Mm-hmm. But it's a really interesting concept because before the characters have done the drop, they're immortal. They don't heal particularly quickly. And they don't have access to their full powers. And it seems like a handy plot device mm-hmm. to say that, ooh, like Bryce did all this stuff while she was still mortal and then she did the drop. And suddenly she's... The way that she's done the drop as a result of her heritage means she's the strongest fae or half-fae and stronger than any of the actual fae <laughs> and uh, yeah i th- i think it it sets apart in general characters doesn't it because part of the point of the humans is that they can't do the drop because they have no power mm-hmm. whereas bryce has some power because she's half fae but yeah like i think she I think it's I think on some level it is a choice whether or not you do the drop. Mm. Mm. So I think Bryce could have decided to not do it at all 
Mm. And then she would have lived out her mortal lifespan. She would have aged the way that humans probably do. Maybe a little bit slower because of her half-fey heritage. But she mm. would never be able to do magic or do whatever it is that fey are capable of doing. So, yeah, I... I wonder if it would have worked better if it had been an actual physical kind of drop because yeah. it ends up being all metaphor. Like you, I suppose you kind of drop into yourself kind of. And she this tries to... happening in my head. Just because it's happening in your head doesn't mean it's not real. <laughs> yeah, kind of. And like she tries yeah. to, to describe it like the fact that when Bryce is coming up, she needs to like run almost like there's like a runway that she needs to reach the end of and then she jumps up and she returns back into her mm. own body. So she's giving it that kind of trying to make it a physical thing. Mm. But I don't know if it works. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. But I suppose the most important thing in this book about the drop is obviously to highlight this super strong bond between Danica and Bryce and the fact that it's... Yeah it goes beyond life and death in this case. Like their friendship and their love for each other is so strong that even though Danica is dead, she can still be the anchor that Bryce needs. Mm. Which, I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful message. Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. So that part I liked about it. I liked what it was used for, for that. But mm. the general mechanics of it, I don't fully understand. No. Oh, no, I don't either. The other thing that <laughs> you already said this, the fact that she does the drop and it's like this historic event and she's even more powerful than her father, which makes her the most powerful fae, even mm. though she's not fully fae. And it's a bit like, like we get it. Yes, Bryce is the chosen one. Bryce is special. And it's not mm. enough that she's the most powerful fae. She's also starborn fae. And mm. and she's got the horn tattoo. And she's got the horn. Yeah. It's a mm. bit too much. Like, in any given... In any other story, just one of these things would have been enough to set her apart from everybody else. We don't need mm. to make her so grand. Because mm. it then begs the question of, so where do you go from here? Like, if she's so all-powerful, who even is a threat against her now? Yeah, it's. I think it's obviously some kind of for, like, I was gonna say f foreshadowing, but I don't think that's right. It's it's in preparation for the next book, isn't it? Yeah, because for sure. I don't. I don't think. I was. I did wonder if we were never gonna find out what happened until we got to the end of whatever the series length is going to be. Mm -hmm. But I think it is probably very similar. Again, harking back to some of her other books where you get a big battle at the end of every book, say. Mm -hmm. And so we had a big battle here, which was in the city. And then maybe we've got to have another battle, which is, I don't know, in the continent or whatever. And then it's going to be like a worldwide battle. And obviously she, along with Hunt, who is this incredibly powerful angel, whose powers are unleashed at the end of the book, obviously make up some kind of team that is going to... I don't know, save the world? That's my prediction. <laughs> probably, yeah. Probably get rid of the Asteria yeah. in some way. I'm guessing yeah, that's, yeah. that's what we're aiming for. Yeah, exactly, because there's the whole thing of Hunt being... Hunt has been captured and is a slave because of that original rebellion. 
And so there's obviously a reason why she's been paired up with him. Mm -hmm. So we keep talking about Bryce, but we haven't actually talked about Bryce. (laughs) Yes. How did you like her? I really, I really liked her. I don't really know what more to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I liked, I liked her attitude. We've sort of just discussed this whole like I don't buy into the whole chosen one thing, but I think I just liked how she didn't take anybody's nonsense. Yeah, me too. Um, I think she's a a very strong female lead. Yeah. I don't like everything about her. Like I said it already in the beginning. I don't fully agree with her view of the world in terms of all the men are shit. And Yeah. But I appreciate that she doesn't take anyone's crap, like you said. she She's very smart and very loyal. I like that she's a party girl, though. Like I like that she's so varied. Like She's not... She feels like a fully... Like a full character, like a full person, you know, who has their flaws mm. and everything. Mm. Another thing that I found jarring, or it kind of took me aback, was how open she was about her sex life. And that she has these hookups in, in the club, and she has one night stands, and... You don't see this very often, at least, or maybe maybe I'm reading the wrong books, I don't know, but in the books that I've been reading, this isn't really how female characters are generally portrayed. Mm. It, it is kind of leading up to this, oh, my big, my first big love, and so it was kind mm. of refreshing, but also surprising, like, it took me aback when she texts Danica, like, I just hooked up with this guy in the, in the bathroom, don't tell Connor, I'm like, oh, I see, this is what we're doing, okay, okay, interesting. Yeah, I I liked that she was a party girl as well, and um, I can't really talk about that part. I think it did annoy me a little bit that she, there was a little bit of conforming to body stereotypes where you've got the big butt and wearing really tight skinny clothes and really making the most of your cleavage and this and the other. But I also think that that might have been part of her, like, she was really clever but equally was trying to make out like she was just a party girl because it was sort of her her weapon, wasn't it? Yeah, I think exactly, it even yeah. called her armour at some point. Mm. But I think I disapproved of that a little bit because I constantly regret the fact that I'm not allowed to just walk out in the street in my pyjamas. <laughs> I don't know. Fighting against beauty standards, I suppose. Like A lot of people really like this about her. Like... Yeah, yeah. And I mean, all kudos to her because I wish I had that kind of confidence to just go out wearing whatever the hell I want and not Mm. caring what anyone else might think or Mm. not judging myself, you know, or the things that I perceive as being not good enough or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think it is something probably that I, I don't know if, if I feel this way because of the media or because I think it's what I'm supposed to think or I don't know, but I, I feel sorry for, for people who like when I was doing a lot of clubbing earlier in my life and I wouldn't necessarily judge 
judge girls who dressed like that in a, oh, you're a whore or a slut kind of way. But I would be like, I admire the confidence, but equally, why can't you have the confidence in something that isn't your body? But again, I don't know if that's just me spouting a an anti-beauty standards message that I has been, you know, you get the whole thing drummed into you that you you shouldn't aspire to be an airbrushed model and this, that and the other. So maybe it's me going, well, I'll never be able to do that. So, so I'm going to feel sorry for them instead. Hmm. Or, you know, I don't know. It's... It's an uncomfortable bit of introspection, I think, because I'm just never going to be that. I'm never going to be able to be one of those girls. Hmm. I know. It, Partly I mean, because I am. Yeah. It's the whole thing is messed up. Like it's a mm. it's a vicious circle of that you can't get out of. <laughs> yeah. But I I I hear I completely hear what you're saying. Um, and I think more than that as well, it's it's just difficult to understand because that's not how I want, that's not how I want to dress. Mm. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that that's because I'm scared that I'm going to get wolf whistled or because men are going to look at me funny or, you know, da 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 It's just not my style. Mm. So it's a difficult one to, it's just different to my, to me. Mm-hmm. Don't really know what my point is. <laughs> didn't didn't love it while I was reading the book. Mm. Sure. <laughs> and it will be interesting to see if in the next book, having confessed their love for each other, she behaves the same way because part of her identity is being a bit of a man-eater and being like really flirty and this, that and the other. But if she's now got Hunt and they've both said that they love each other to each other and, you know... Mm-hmm whether or not she's still going to do the whole dirty flirty party thing yeah did you get emotional at any point during the book let's call it that was there any scene that really spoke to you i don't think so not in the same way as some of the books we've read recently did I just wanted to know what was going on. I didn't... I No, I'm wrong. When Lehaba, yeah, the sprite, when she died, that I didn't... I was like, oh, that tugged at the heartstrings, for sure. Yeah, me too. Yeah, how about you? I'm the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that scene and her... What she was saying, you know, I'm with my friends, so I'm not afraid. Mm. I was like, oh, that, that hits yeah. right here. Oh, that hits in the feels. Yeah. 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 What did you think of Danica tattering the horn onto Bryce's back? Sneaky. Mm. I don't... Mm. Like, if if you... If you start thinking about it, Danica is a, is a bit of a sneaky sneaky. Mm. And I, I wonder how much Bryce is going to struggle with this going forward, because I struggle with it, mm. you know... Mm-hmm. It it must be really hard to think that there is this person whom, for all intents and purposes, about. yeah, exactly. Like we're not blood, but we might as well be blood because we're mm-hmm. so close. And then you suddenly realize there's so many aspects of them that you don't know about, and that they went behind your back, 
lied mm. to you, manipulated mm. you, and did this thing to you mm. without your consent. It yes, mm, I agree with problematic. you completely. I think massively problematic. I th- I thought that that was uh, apart from the fact that they got these tattoos and it was Danica's suggestion. And Bryce was so drunk, she didn't even really know what was going on, which way was up. A, that's problematic, because a good friend will never allow you to get a tattoo when you can't think straight, because that is, that is permanent. Mm-hmm. But equally, the fact that it's this incredibly powerful and needed or um, desired weapon... As soon as somebody finds out that she had that, even if Bryce wasn't going to get involved in any of it, she would just become a target. It 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 just from that moment on, if if she was just this normal, if she really was the party girl, who, okay, yes, she has all this power, but she really didn't want to use any of it. It 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 it's just it just takes that choice away from her. Yeah, if you look at it too closely, I don't. It doesn't sit well with me. No. What did you think of the big reveal that it was Micah orchestrating all these things and the big showdown between him and Bryce? It took me by complete surprise, which I loved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed. I really enjoyed that bit, and I completely bought it. That I think the rationale was that he he wanted to be all powerful. And be the seventh Asteri because there used to be seven, but one of them had died. So he was going to use it to... I think that was what it was. I mean, that makes sense to me because I was trying to think now what was his reasoning for doing what he did. Yeah. And I couldn't come up with a reason. But what you're saying sounds like it could make sense. So I think it was that. I'm not sure that's something I would have made up organically of my own <laughs> accord. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think... The thing that I didn't like was that it's always going to happen because it's a story, but there's these this convenient chain of events where she gets given the antidote um, to the... Synth. Synth. Um, and she sticks it into the safe right next to the golden bullet. Mm. I felt like that was all like... Yes... There has to be a chain of events like that if the book isn't going to end with Bryce's untimely death. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But equally, I think I might have preferred that if Lehaba had... It seemed to me like it was more than two seconds that she bought for Bryce. And then it gets explained as the two seconds that she bought for Bryce were what allowed her to go down the antidote assemble this rifle, shoot the golden bullet into Monica's head. Um, so I think I might have preferred that to be slightly less smooth than it mm. all was. Yeah. I wonder if it would have... But that would have made Bryce even more special if there had been like some innate way for her to overcome the synth. But like like I already said, she's special enough even without that ability. Yeah, and, and the synth is supposed to give her abilities that are... I can't remember what they, what the higher beings are called. The Asteri. There's some term that no. Oh, um, the um, I have it here. The Vanir. 
the veneer yeah um it's supposed to give people who don't already have those the higher power of high power high level veneer so why did she then because he was okay he was an archangel but he was just a powerful veneer right he wasn't like an asteri like these mm-hmm. godlike people sitting on the ship blah 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 mm-hmm. um so couldn't it have been that yes she the synth gave her extra power which allowed her to kill Micah and then she had taken the antidote so the power was no longer there and yes okay it did allow her to run on a broken leg and jump and assemble this golden rifle in super quick time or whatever Mm -hmm. but yeah I don't know I felt like I wanted a little bit more struggle in that moment Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. It seemed like a lot that that Le Harbard, I think they called her Lily, <laughs> um, gathered all this power, cracked this water tank, died, and all it bought was two seconds because the way that it was written, it felt like it was a lot more than that. Yeah. Maybe I'm maybe I'm focusing on that exact sentence too much. <laughs> yeah, I think maybe we're taking a bit too, too literally, literally, but I mean that is that is what she that yeah. is what what she wrote down. So, what do you think of the library? I love the library. I mean, I love any library. Give me all the books. Mm. I don't know if I fully understand its its importance but i think what we're given to believe by the end of the book is that it's the the lost library of all the ancient texts that were mm-hmm. written even before the asteri arrived mm-hmm. so i predict that it'll be really important in the coming books if indeed mm-hmm. the whole point is to have the final showdown with the asteri then mm-hmm. i wonder if it contains you know, some kind of instruction on how to defeat them or something. Yeah. yeah, so it was, I think, I think the thing that I'm really interested about is that it's, it was before any of the veneer had turned up onto the planet, whatever mm-hmm. the world is. Mm-hmm. So it's all, it's all the human stuff. And it made me think of the Lost Library of Alexandria, Yeah, uh, yeah. which is obviously the inspiration for it. But but it was i f- i thought it was a really interesting way to bring something that's really romantic and fantastic in our current world and make something of it i suppose the only thing i like i really liked lahaba's character but i didn't fully understand her importance for the library mm. you know so it's it to me I understood that the books were sort of sentient and they yes. were always trying to escape and so that was her role was to stop them from escaping. Yeah, and I suppose the ultimate threat to a book is that you can burn it. Fire. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I guess. I feel like there's still so much to there there really is <laughs> to talk about like there was so much that was going on and like, we haven't even touched upon the synth, really, that much. Hypaxia, the new queen of the witches, who may or may not now mm-hmm. be betrothed to Rune. Don't really know. Mm-hmm. Did you 
Did you sense that she was the the med witch that he was dealing nope. with? Nope. No, did you? <laughs> well, it's hard to know to remember if I caught it the first it was, time, yeah. but this time I mm. I caught it again. So she's an interesting one. I didn't get that. I there was another reveal. What was it? Oh, that um that Bryce had chucked the sword Danica's ancient sword just into the office and Jessica had never noticed because she was never there. Yeah. <laughs> um I think I I think I kept thinking well wasn't it put into the supply closet? There was a part of me that was thinking well maybe the horn was in that bag or whatever and Bryce has just never looked into the bag. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I think it was supposed to be a little bit of a red herring in that because mm. I kept thinking that it that it was in the sword itself or something that she had somehow incorporated into that. Yeah. Mm. I was surprised I didn't pick up on how important the necklace was because it was mentioned a number of times. Yeah. But it was the mag- it was the magic necklace that was shielding her from notice. Yeah, from all the demons, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that completely like when they revealed it in this book I was also like, "Oh yeah, that is the first time that the demon attacks her." Is when she's not wearing the necklace when she takes it off. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> Anything else you wanna? There's nothing that leaps out. Um, I'm also aware that we've been going for a while. Mm-hmm. I think I think the main thing that I have come away from this book thinking is that although there's lots of stuff that I've sort of said, oh, I didn't like it. Da 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 da. The fact remains that I literally did not speak to my husband this weekend because I was just so busy and I even texted you at one point and said oh I don't know if we can record on that day because I might not be finished the book and then like a few hours later was like well I finished the book (laughs) (laughs) um so you know as much as I say oh well that was obvious and that was compelling and that was the same as in her previous books it's literally just because we are sitting here discussing it I within seconds of finishing the first book had opened the second book and started on it yeah i i i think that she is an incredible storyteller i completely agree so maybe we can start wrapping it up with i know we've both started reading it but we're not that far in so do you have any predictions any hopes for where the story will go what would you like to see more of or less of I'm hoping that it doesn't... I'm really... I think I have already mentioned I don't want the relationship between Bryce and Hunt to become really boring, like I found Reese and Feyre's relationship in A Court of Thorns and Roses got really boring once they'd actually got together and like settled down. And I think that there is compul- there is stuff that's really compelling about established relationships and flirting and fooling around in terms of like being buddies doesn't end once you are in a committed relationship with somebody Mm -hmm. so I think I'd quite like to see that from a romance point of view and I think from a like from an action point of view I'd like her to do something different to the previous series you know I don't want it to just be like one big battle per book and there's one big bad and then 
we suddenly find out that there's actually another big bad that we then have to defeat. Like, I don't want it to feel like we've reached the pinnacle of of the conflict each time, mm-hmm. and then and then it's revealed that it wasn't the pinnacle of the conflict. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. What about you? So, as far as I know, I think she's planning to make this just a trilogy. Okay. So, whether or not that will change, I don't know. But currently, she said she's planning three books in this series. So, it kind of feels like this one should be almost like a bridging book between the introduction to the whole world. So, we've done that already. We don't need to explain anything really new. So let's expand on the characters. And I think that's what I would kind of like to see. I think what Sarah J. Mass is really good at is writing very layered characters. They don't, they aren't always what they first appear to be. Mm-hmm. So I would like to see more of Jessiba, find out more about her. You know, why did she turn her back on the witches and is now in a different house, for example? And there is the epilogue of the book is between Jessiba and one of the princes of hell. So she's obviously an important power player in the grand scheme of things. And that really intrigues me. In terms of romance, like I said, I I don't know if I want Bryce and Hunt to end up together. And this is something that Sarah J Maas does a lot, that she introduces a love interest and then... Another one. And then another one. So, I don't know. A lot of people are saying that Connor was the first love interest, and now that he's gone, Hunt is technically the second one. (laughs) I don't know if that's true. But yeah. Like, I would like to maybe see their friendship keep developing, and whether or not it becomes a fully romantically consummated relationship, I don't know. But I would like to see more of Rune. Yep. And... I don't know if I want them to get rid of their father somehow, because he seems like a really horrible person. But at the same time, he does seem to have some hidden depths, because he did come talk to Bryce about the fact that he loved her mother, and that he would have married her. So, what's going on there? I don't know, there's there's a lot. There's a lot. But the number one character whom we haven't mentioned at all, that I really am interested in, is Adis, the prince of the fifth level of hell, the chasm. Oh, yes. The cat. The one who can turn up as the cat. Yeah, the one who told her to to make the drop. Yes, the one who hinted at the fact that she's starborn. You know, what blinds an oracle? What's up with that guy? Yeah, interesting to find out about him. Agreed. Mm-hmm. We also haven't mentioned Fury, who's the other friend, who's yes. the assassin. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. She was a she was a little bit of a non-entity, except towards the end. Mm-hmm. Be interesting to see if she comes back more. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's a bit interesting is <laughs> there's a lot of like just assassination that is just accepted in this world. <laughs> Yeah. Which is a bit odd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, like Hunt is an assassin, technically. Fury is yep. an assassin. Everyone knows that she's an assassin and uh, nobody seems to... Just, just yeah, think. let's go get drunk and I'll just take whatever drugs you give me or... Yeah. Yeah. Ah, which actually, it's a good thing you brought up Fury because the number one thing 
that I want to see in the second book is Bryce interacting with female characters. Because yes. all she seems to do is be surrounded by all these super powerful men yes. slash males. But I, I yes. want her to have, you know, a Danica equivalent, or even if it's not going to be as epic as her friendship with Danica, like yeah. her, her girlfriends, where are her girlfriends? Let her spend time yeah. with other females, women, whatever you want to call them. There are lots of women in the book, but apart from Bryce, most of the male, most of the males are main characters. Yeah. So it would be interesting to see more. You are correct. I hadn't really thought about that until this moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think that is all I had written down. And yes, all I, I did to not say. write anything down because I just read it so quickly that I didn't have time. <laughs> and we recorded earlier this evening because I'm this afternoon because I'm busy this evening. So I haven't had a chance between work and now. <laughs> okay, so I think we can mm. wrap, wrap it, up, it yeah. up. Yep. So next time will be Crescent City 2, a.k.a. House of Sky and Breath. And we've already both started, and I'm hoping I will finish it by next week so that we can chat more. Yes, agreed. Mm-hmm. And after that, we ha- like is the end of a couple of months of just epic reading that Lucia and I have had to do because we picked three really long books in a row. <laughs> We're not yes. going to know how to handle ourselves. Yes, yeah, so then there um, will be two slightly shorter ones, and then there's another epically long one that I picked for whatever reason. <laughs> Uh, it's fine. It's fine. I forgive you. <laughs> I had a really great time talking to you about this. I think one of the other things we've not mentioned is that uh, you said at one point that you were really enjoying being the one who was ahead of me for once because you were getting the reactions. Yes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. And it's it's great because you we don't usually do that or you don't usually do this with the books that we're reading. I sometimes can't help myself because I know that you're probably farther ahead than me. So I'm the one messaging you and you're very kind of poker face and let's just discuss it on the podcast. Yeah, Yeah, whereas this time I was just like, oh my God, (laughs) this year is getting constant updates. Maybe not quite, but... (laughs) Yeah, the thing just happened and I'm not okay. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And oh, I really like Hunt. No, wait, I really don't like Hunt anymore. (laughs) (laughs) No, I like him again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh dear. Alrighty. <laughs> cool. Well, well, we will talk next week. Yeah, chat to you next time. Yeah. Have a great week <laughs> with Grandma. Will's Grandma, is it? Yes, yes, yes. We will We will be fresh from a trip to Scotland next time we talk. Wonderful. And you will once again be in Cyprus. <laughs> yes, yes indeed. Okay, I'll see you then. Alrighty, see you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about us and the podcast, visit our website at readingmaterialspodcast.com. We also publish additional content, including blog posts around the world of books and our thoughts on the topic. If you'd like to get in touch, email us at reading.materials.podcast at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at readingmaterialspod. Until next time, keep reading.